The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Beyond and hello, everyone. My name is Jonathan Normish, and this is Beyond, episode 592, IGN's weekly PlayStation show. We are so close to episode 600. I'm joined this week by Max Scoville. Once again, I have returned for more treats and treasures and scrapes and scrambles and goofs and guffaws, and that's it. And that's it. That's yeah. it. Excited to have you back, Max. We're also joined by Lucy, the bones are their dollars, O'Brien. <laughs> the bones are their dollars. Um, how close are we to 600, Jonathan? We are on episode 592, which means... <gasps> so close! We are so close. So close. To episode 600. Of course, if you weren't listening to last week's episode of the few episodes since, uh, I don't know, episode 585 where I've been saying this, episode 600 is right around the corner and we will be doing something in San Francisco live doing a bit of a thing details are still being worked out for exact date and time um we are planning toward the end of june probably last week of june we're looking at um tickets will go online uh we'll be sure to let you know about that on the show on our twitters on ign everything about that so we can't say too much about like a definite time and date but try to keep the last week of June in mind. If you're in the San Francisco area or can make it, we're going to be doing a live thing. I think the it'll be whole a lot of week fun. free. The whole week. The whole week. Don't, so many. Don't go to your jobs. Take no, that I, kind I, of funny. I had a question there. I have yes. a little bit of a follow-up question. This is a real, actual, beyond event. Unlike beyond 500, which was a. A whisper that turned into a fart and died in the wind. Yes, and I still get mentioned even though I wasn't part of it about yeah. how I messed up beyond 500. Um, you know, so I want to just point out one thing. Yeah. Uh, just no, like no, you know, disrespect or anything to the the previous hosts and everybody of Beyond, but uh, maybe you. the fact that the yeah exactly <laughs> maybe the fact that the show launched the week of E3 makes it difficult to plan anniversary episodes it's not a great help yeah especially now that <laughs> comic-con has become an even further bigger part of our coverage every yeah. year with live shows and all, so much video input um but we are planning on doing something this year episode 600 it'll again be toward the end of june so keep that in mind we'll give you all the details once we can we just have to lock down everything specific about that uh but very excited gonna have a very fun show planned for episode no 600. i think you're, you're really on top of it i think you're doing a good job hosting Thank the you. show unlike that last hack <laughs> Aww. We've forgotten long about him. Good. <laughs> Bury him in the road. <laughs> but we're glad to have you on the show, Max. Of yeah, course. anytime. Yeah. Um, and also, I wanted to clarify from last week's show before we dive into a lot of Sony news this week. Um, I had mentioned thank you so much to everyone who reached out and said kind words to Jared Petty on Twitter. Uh, I wasn't saying that because things were wrong specifically with Jared or he happened to be saying he had a rough week. And so I'm glad he could have that join his week. But uh, I wasn't saying that 
because things were bad for Jared, I just wanted Jared to know how wonderful he is because he deserves to know. And he you, does. you all are wonderful out there in the show. And thank you so much to everyone who did that. Um, when we can give random acts of kindness to people out in the world, I appreciate doing that. And so in the spirit of that, I'm going to do it at the top of the show. Please tweet at Barrett Courtney, yeah. Yeah. our former producer. Uh, he is at Sad Boy Barrett. Uh, Barrett has two R's and two T's in it. Please tweet at Barrett and say, hey, Barrett, you're right. Batman Arkham, uh, let's do Batman Arkham City is the best Batman. Whether or not you believe that, just let him feel like it is. Yeah. Just, let, just let him feel it and think it for a little bit. I miss Barrett. Barrett's a um, good guy. He's Barrett's such great. a sweet young lad. Yes. Hopefully, uh, if he happens to be in town, we can maybe have him around for 600, but we'll see. Um, other than that, Brian, of course, is not here this week. He is off in New York yeah. doing New York things. Doing New York e- diarrhea. The pizzas. Uh, but yeah, probably Dropping from the pizza. big downtown Big Apples, if you know what I'm talking about. I see you've been to New York quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, One of the most popular attractions there is going to the bathroom. They have a lot of them. <laughs> they didn't actually, have that in the Don Henley song. <laughs> they should have. I actually, I really used to pride myself as an NYU student of knowing where the best, most secluded bathrooms were around campus because my ID worked for a year after I was a student. So even when I was just around downtown, if I really had to go, I knew where to go. Yeah, I mean, no, that's important. Really that's important with yeah. any city. Like, yeah. just if you have to, you know, yeah. had a bit to drink the night before, got an emergency pit stop shall we say you gotta know where the bathrooms are. right right in the old library i knew where to go it was the perfect old, the, the old, old library, library. <laughs> the old library down on 32nd the Street. haunted lighthouse <laughs> there's probably some old ghouls in there anyway it's time for news crunch crunch <laughs> <laughs> There is a lot to talk about this week in the world of PlayStation. Thankfully, uh, PlayStation held an investor relation call, um, basically a full day of events talking to a lot of their investors, of course, and to journalists about what the future of PlayStation and Sony overall looks like. And we got a lot of news out of that when I was putting together the run of show like last Friday. I was like, oh boy, we're not going to have a lot to talk about. But thankfully, so many things happened. Um, first thing I wanted to talk about actually came a little bit before the press day, the investor relation day, which was that Sony and Microsoft announced a partnership out of nowhere. Yeah, that oh, was what? really weird. So Sony and Microsoft announced a partnership to focus on improving cloud gaming, AI solutions, and more. Uh, the two tech giants essentially signed a memorandum of understanding, which is a wonderful name for a document, that established both companies will explore, quote, joint development of future cloud solutions in Microsoft Azure to support, or Azure, excuse me, I never know how to say that, to support their respective game and content streaming services. They will also explore the use of uh, current Microsoft Azure data center-based solutions for Sony's game and content streaming services. Noting, noting that these efforts will include building better development platforms for the content creator community. Um, so essentially, this was a like very high level. It was like the CEOs of Sony and Microsoft came together, had this agreement at a very high level, um, and are working together for the future of cloud streaming gaming and basically saying, hey, Google, we haven't forgotten about you. We're thinking about this. Um, I want to talk about what you think about the partnership in a second, but I do want to bring up the interesting other part about this, that a report from Bloomberg came out shortly after that initial agreement came out. And Bloomberg, uh, speaking to anonymous sources that were familiar with the matter, said that basically PlayStation's own staff did not know about this new deal. Um, and they PlayStation were specifically. Out. Yes. Um, 
And in addition, I believe some reports have said this largely was the same on the Xbox side of things, uh, because according to this report, things were held at basically the highest executive levels between Sony and Microsoft, so not necessarily with PlayStation and Xbox divisions specifically. Um, the talks apparently began last year and were led by Sony senior management in Tokyo, mostly without the involvement of Sony's PlayStation branch. Again, this is all according to Bloomberg sources. Managers reportedly had to calm PlayStation employees and, quote, assume, uh, excuse me, assure them that plans for the company's next generation console weren't affected. So basically it had to be like, hey, we just started revealing PS5 stuff. It's not suddenly going to be the Xbox 2 also. Like, these aren't going to be the same system. Um, but obviously there's a lot to talk about this with, with this. I want to see, first off, what you've both felt about this partnership. It's a little lofty of a thing. Uh, I feel like this kind of thing is, is pretty commonplace. Um, I mean, this is how we get stuff like the DVD or like a USB port. Um, basically, companies kind of, I, I think it was, uh, I want to say, I was reading up on sort of history of E3 and it let me down this weird wormhole. It was reading about where the DVD first popped up. And basically, uh, at that point, a bunch of computer manufacturers kind of joined up and they were like, all right, media companies, like like physical, optical media companies, they were like, get it together and figure out one format because we don't want to like, go back and forth like we don't want to have like a you know for instance like a blu-ray hd dvd kind of scenario um so it's kind of it's sort of better for everybody involved if they're able to sort of establish uh you know some some common ground basically like like i mean cloud is the opposite of ground but you know like a, a similar arch architecture so it, you know people aren't just like completely just like screwing each other over when we had that interesting time with the beginning of the xbox one ps4 or maybe it was ps3 360 where it was the hd dvd versus blu-ray war where basically oh microsoft, microsoft was, lost that battle yeah and they were trying to because blu-ray is obviously from sony and they were trying to be like hey we can be a competitor to this but now they have to use the sony technology because it became the gold standard i think yeah i i you know microsoft has the edge on technology and uh, and and, I, and so for Sony, I think this is a particularly good uh, informal agreement or whatever <laughs> they're calling it. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. Like I don't think it's it's not going to be this huge thing. The news was a bit more slight than we initially thought, and especially the fact that PlayStation was left out of these talks. You know, it's not something we're going to immediately see in the near future, like bear fruit. I don't feel like it will necessarily, like, there won't be ramifications for the announcement of PS5 and things like that. Like, obviously, cloud streaming will, uh, cloud gaming and streaming games and all that will continue to be more important as we go on. Mm -hmm. But I don't feel like they're going to be like, okay, we have to completely reverse course for the launch of the PS5. It's going to have to now have Microsoft labeling all over it. It's probably going to be a lot of it's things. It's not going to be a box. It's going to be a concept. Ooh. It's just going to be a Minecraft box, actually. <laughs> um, but they're not going to have to, you know reshape what the box looks like deal with microsoft being branded on front of all of its things it clearly to me is a very much like an infrastructure thing that mm -hmm. is they're setting the stage for the future knowing that they rather than them developing the technology they'll just partner with someone who clearly has it already built yeah and i mean that's why they bought gaikai for playstation now mm -hmm. and things like that um it is definitely interesting i'm curious to see how this goes forward i do it must have been shocking to be a playstation employee in here oh by the way we're working with microsoft now you this would is... feel pretty crap yeah. like you would be like oh well, no one gives a damn about well, me no i would say conversely it's nice to know that sony's open to collaboration or at least sort of uh you know what do you call it i guess partnership or you know just being kind of everyone's sort of pushing in the same direction uh, allowing for memorandums of understanding there it is yeah. a, a memorandum of understanding um no it's good because sony does have a, a pretty long history of pushing proprietary formats which was 
uh, kind of the Achilles heel of the the PS3 was the cell cell processing stuff. And prior to that, it was like Memory Stick Duo, and you know they've they've always been sort of stubborn about that kind of thing. And when it when it works, it works. And when it doesn't, it's the UMD format that <laughs> nothing but the PSP uses. And know? we have to buy like triple the price memory cards for the Vita. Exactly. I, I used to work when I worked at EB Games. Those little UMDs were such a nightmare because there was no like sort of set standard of how to um, store them. Yeah. You know, we just have them in the drawers behind the counter, <laughs> and so it was like you'd open it and it's just a, a drawer full of scattered UMDs. Mm-hmm. That was so clunky and horrible. They're it not worked. exactly shaped well to They're be not. cataloged anywhere. Yeah. No. It's, so I, I think it's a smart move. Obviously, it is. it must have been a horrifying few hours to be like, what does this mean for the fate of PlayStation? I think you know we'll have to see how the next generation really goes to see what the bigger implications are of this. But I think for now, it's very much them saying, hey, we're going to need cloud gaming support. Might as well use something we know can work. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to that, though, as things came into the Investor Relation Day, I did want to bring up one of the biggest weird things that happened uh, overnight. This was last night as we're recording. But uh, that demo of how PlayStation 5 or the next generation loading times was just put up on Twitter. Um, It was put out by a Wall Street Journal reporter who has a pretty great track record with scoops and sources and a lot of things uh, working out of Japan and happened to, I guess, be attending one of these investor presentations and recorded the demo that shows you the essentially loading times for Spider-Man on both a PS4 Pro versus on a PlayStation 5, or it just says next generation under development because they still won't say PS5. What's really interesting to note, it absolutely lines up with the Wired demo we saw, uh, or we heard about a few weeks back, but I like, I'm shocked this video is still up, first of all. Maybe it won't be up by the time we're recording. I'm yeah. just shocked that Sony is still cool with this being out there. I suppose, you know... They just didn't give anyone uh, a, a sort of NDA because yeah. I guess they didn't expect anyone to tweet it out. Investors probably. Because it's investors. Yeah. Like, they're suits. They're guys who don't understand Twitter. I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking. But it's very – It's I find they, it quite amusing. That, or they know better, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it's – I mean, this – well, to describe the video, basically, there was sort of a little brief tech demo where it showed um, – I think it showed like a t- uh, just loading the entire city of Spider-Man, like to just yes. load the open world. Yeah. The first one was like, "Here's here's his PS4 Pro," and there's like, I don't know, like a few seconds. It was I think it was like eight seconds. I think something? it goes for about eight seconds. Eight before. seconds to load it, and then this and it's weird because it's a, it's a crappy camera phone video of a, a PowerPoint presentation basically, and you're like watching it, and you're like, "Is that a photo of a city?" I don't know. And then I, I realized watching it in action that it's actually the game, but basically it pops up, and then they were like, "Anyway, here's the new technology," and it just it just pops up immediately, and then they were like. All right, here's like a fly through, and it looked like you know you took like the the loose camera and and uh, Spider Man, and just kind of pushed it down one of the streets, and you know it moves pretty quickly, but it's like you're like oh it takes a second for it to you know it can't go full like full speed across like a time lapse video, and then they were like here it is on the new technology, and it's just like <laughs> just shooting yeah. like super fast through the city, which means that the the machinery is that the hardware is, is is rendering everything that quickly. Yeah, I actually got a little stomach. Like even just watching that crappy footage, my stomach like dro- dropped just a little bit, just because it was so fast. It's very fast, yeah. yeah. And v- yeah, for reference, the load times essentially went from eight point one seconds on the PS4 mm-hmm. Pro to zero point eight seconds in the PS5 next generation under development thing. So they're showing this video. They're obviously it's starting to get out there, and it feels like a very good sign that we're probably going to be hearing more and more about it. I'm trying to pull it up, but during the investor relation. 
presentation through all their PowerPoints, they essentially took a look at here's what our focus is for PS5. And it was essentially the Wired article in a PowerPoint page. Um, but how did you both think, like, seeing that demo is, now that you've seen it in action via a video, does faster loading times do more for you? Does it do the same for you? Is it, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. No, that's such a, that's such a totally wonderful, like, the one thing that I've, I've realized I've really enjoyed about this generation, and it makes it hard to go back, is suspending games. And just that that ease of use to be like to, to drop in and drop out, just to be like, oh, I'm I'm I will be, and like you know, it's it's annoying with some online games where it's like they're just like I'm like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump into Bloodborne, and they're like, oh, you disconnected. I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll load it up again. Thanks, I'll wait. You know, and just that that little incremental thing means that that's that much less time that I won't be in the game itself. Um, and it's, I don't know if they if they double down on that and make it so that it's just we're looking at. Uh, I mean, I was hoping that this generation would be like the the end of load times the way we 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 know it. Uh, and they've you know it's gotten really good to the point where a lot of games have like one big load screen and then you're in the game. Yeah. Um, and, and then maybe, we have a lot of climbing through rocks to load. Yeah, arrows, that but you know that whatever you sleight of hand. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's impressive that we've gotten you know something like you know something like GTA Five, which came out very you know that was a, that was a last gen game where it loads for a cool minute and then you're in the game and that's the whole game and it's all there uh i would love it if we just got that kind of for everything you know like the fact i was i was straight up pissed that it was like all right fallout 4 here we go next gen fallout and you like get to a door and they're like well anyway here's a load screen I'm like it's a door let me go in the house what's in there why is this it's all everything's rusty why did it take so long um, but no, I mean, it's obviously high tech stuff. Seeing new and fun bells and whistles is always good and exciting. And this is also the most fun part yeah. of the console life cycle. It's so like, cause we're getting really good games because they know how to use the cart hardware and we get to speculate wildly about whatever nonsense is coming down the pipe and go back and forth about whether or not we think it's good or not. And what's interesting about, uh, in terms of like the games we're still getting during this presentation, uh, to me, it's not a shock, but, uh, it was being passed around a lot. So I thought it was worth mentioning in all of these presentations, PlayStation stuck to the idea that Last of Us Part Two, Ghost of Tsushima, and Death Stranding are coming to PS4. They didn't. They were like very clear that these are still experiences coming to the PS4. Mm -hmm. They could still come to the they PS5, could, exactly, exactly. Or they'll just be like optimized for PS. However, they want to do it, but they are still coming to PS4. Um, I do want to pull up another slide, but Lucy, how did you feel about like seeing that in action? Uh, yeah, no, I thought it was. I thought it was really exciting. I think. Uh, Seeing it in action kind of made me feel like it was going to be more of a jump than I had anticipated, if that makes sense, more of a technological mm -hmm. jump. Because I was thinking, and I know that everyone feels this way at the end of every you know console life cycle, like, oh, it's not going to be a massive jump because mm -hmm. the technology is you know, already blah, blah, so good. <clears throat> this is coming from the person who thought Crash Bandicoot was the height of graphical... <laughs> glory it well, wasn't a time who didn't it was 3d it was crazy i yeah my mind was blown um yeah it was it was a it was significant and i think we're really going to feel it once we you know get that controller in our hand and and get into a big open world game it's also really exciting because like this is the first time i believe in in sony's history when the sort of jump between consoles i feel like they've really planned this one like mm. it, it, not just for backwards compatibility, but for bridging that gap between kind of current library and future library. Um, it would be re it's going to be really weird if this next console generation launches and it's not 
backwards compatible with at the very least PS4. Yeah, which I think um, is definitely the intention. Yeah, and I mean we had this weird thing where like PS2 could play like most PS1 games, but like PS1 was so sort of I, I I don't know I don't even know what the hardware was going on there, but I feel like it was you know one was CD-ROMs, one was DVDs. It was a different you know different time. They weren't really thinking that far ahead, but it was sort of like yeah, why would you focus on making like ta- you know tail end PS1 games compatible with PS, I mean, yeah. it's backwards compatible, so it didn't, it didn't matter. And then going from PS2 to PS3, it was like, are you out of your out of your mind? Like, no, <laughs> yeah. who cares? It's not even the same definition. Yeah. And then three to four was that was their big sort of turning point where they're like, crap, we're kind of back to square one here. But in this case, they're not. So it's sort of like, I don't know. It's going to be pretty exciting if they're like, I don't know if this is going to be the case, but like, if you buy the the newest, latest, and greatest PS4 games that are coming out at the very tail end of the console cycle, and they're like yeah they they work better on the next gen stuff i think for me what's really interesting and i there's another slide in here that really speaks to this for me but i see them as seeing and i think you're right they're planning ahead for this really well i think they they're going to they're expecting at least a slower migration to the ps5 Mm -hmm. than have has happened in generations past because they put up a slide in it that says the critical role of the ps4 it will remain the engine of engagement and profitability for the next three years uh, and will provide the fertile early adopter gamer base critical, right, excuse me, will provide the early adopter gamer base critical for next-gen success, and will still have an, an outstanding roster of exclusive AAA games still to come. They're expecting to hit a 100 million install base this year, still planning to release those exclusives, and believe this will sort of act as a, like, launching off point sort of thing. I have a question. Yes. Because a lot of the chatter around this uh, reveal has been around how much it's going to cost. <clears throat> if it cost more than $500, would you guys be buying one day one? If it was more than 500 If it was more than 500 And what do you think Sony would push it out it, more than 500 I don't think they will because I, I, I don't know. Maybe, obviously, PlayStation has changed a lot since then, but like, I still feel like the PS3 launch announcement stuff still looms so large as like, what a failure that was mm-hmm. to come out and boisterously say it's five and six hundred dollars and you'll have to get a second job and all these things i feel like going above that without giving some caveats for why it's there for now would go over extremely badly Mm. um for me like at the end of the day for if i wasn't at this job and if i didn't have to cover these things for work if i was just a consumer looking at whether or not i want to spend x amount of money on this thing it would really come down to especially knowing it's backwards compatible what are they going to launch it with Mm. um like if they are going to launch it with PS4 games that are PS5 enabled and that's it, I'm happily going to wait. Um, but if it was PS5 and that's where you can play God of War 2 and Horizon 2 in launch month, then probably, yeah, probably I'd do it. Yeah. Horizon Zero to- Dawn 2 is, oh, it's such a seductive prospect. Yeah. It, ha- it has to be. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Max? I don't know. Are, they, are we thinking it's going to be that much? I think 500 is the cap. Yeah. No, I don't um, think they would go so far as 600 again. Yeah. But like it's I, Yeah, I don't know. This is going to be an interesting one because because they do have such a massive install base. Um mm. and they obviously launched PS4 with like the you know, they were like we got to get we got to get people over here and they waited for Xbox to make the first move and they came out and they made it the cheapest thing and it was yeah, they sold it I I'm guessing at a loss, you know, yeah. and then they, you know, clearly made up for it and and now they're in, on top of it and it's like how do you hold on to that? And I mean, consoles are so sort of, they're so sort of new still that there's not really a set 
like you get you get you know once every almost a decade everyone kind of lines up and then everyone learns from each other's mistakes and then maybe forgets them you know like it's kind of be interesting to see if this is a if they manage to keep the same level of humility they had when they were coming out of the ps3 life cycle or if they uh forget everything they learned and, and pull an <laughs> xbox one and they come out and they're like here's this brand new thing it comes with a playstation vr packed in it is seven hundred dollars, and it's like, whoa, whoa, no, 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 no. Yeah, I, I think yeah. if they do that as an option, that's one thing. But yeah, if that's oh, like that how they're filling it, a bundle. It'll be a bundle. Yeah. I, I'm looking right now on Amazon. The PS4 Pro, uh, just standard one terabyte, is going for four hundred dollars, and the PS4 Slim, not Pro, is three hundred. My thought is, especially if they're looking at the PS4 as like profitable still for the next three years, like this will be a main source of where they're getting their profit, and the idea that the more PS4s you sell everything's backward compatible, the more likely you are to have those people want to migrate to the PS5 as mm-hmm. it becomes more, whether cheap or just mm-hmm. enticing, whatever. Those have to have $100 knocked off them in the next year. Like by the time the PS5 launches, those have to be $100 cheaper. And you keep knocking things down. You incentivize people to buy more games. Like you set yourselves up for the PS5. I mean, especially um, if that library migrates. Yeah. Um, that's going to be real interesting, you know. Uh, I mean, it's, it's also, I feel so, I'm so happy for anybody who stayed with like a base PS4? Like who anybody who got like the the launch version and it's still hanging in there, chugging along, or who just bought a slim when it was kind of when it was cheap. Like I have a PS4 Pro and it's cool and it's great and I I love it, but like it's gonna be I think it's gonna be such a huge leap to go from like a launch PS4 to whatever the next thing is. Yeah, and it's really and, and exactly. Then, and then to bring all your crap along with you and have it suddenly have this like shiny fresh coat of paint and be yeah. like, oh, hey. And it's like, I don't it's know. It's like you just, yeah. you know, you've got like a little uh, hobo stick and yeah. you're walking into a mansion. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I mean, that's probably a lot of the install base. Like, of course, maybe not people listening here or us in the room who have played with pros or have pros or whatever. But yeah, there's probably of those 96 million people, probably tens of millions of them have never seen a pro in action outside of a video. And yeah, that jump's gonna be huge. Um, I feel like they're really gonna have to though set the stage for like giving you a reason to want PS5 because PS4 still has a lot of life in it, it feels like. The interesting thing with me as well is that uh, I I had a, um, a 4K TV in Australia and I don't anymore. Mm. So if I upgrade, I'm going to have to upgrade my TV as well because otherwise what's the point? <laughs> yeah. And then that's going to be a massive chunk of change. So I was just about to say, like, I keep saying I need to upgrade and I'm like, I've got a PS4 Pro. I can see HDR and 4K for some games. But if I hold off for next gen, oh, it's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be like getting eye surgery. Well, I'm just going to be like, whoa. I'm seeing the world as it really is for the first time. Well, and 4K is going to be cheaper in a year. In exactly. Yeah, it's like there's, I mean, that's the thing is there's never a good time to buy a TV. Yep. Yeah. It's a great time to buy a, a game console, which is towards like the kind of mid tail end. Like now is a great time to buy a PS4. Yep. Uh, but yeah, like, I don't know. That's that's kind of exciting. Now I'm like, oh, I was going to I was going to wait. Every time like a b- big beautiful spectacle movie comes out, I'm like, oh, this is going to this I'm going to buy PS uh, or a uh, uh, 4K, 4K TV for this. Yeah. And then I just I just don't. Like, <laughs> I just I keep I miss mine. Like I really yeah. miss mine. God of War made me buy one. Yeah. That was what did it. And having it is amazing, but yeah, I think it will probably be better to buy one next year even. Um, moving on from that part of the investor relation info also was just in terms of the longevity and the life of the PS4 so far, God of War has passed 10 million copies sold, uh, on PS4. That's awesome. Uh, 
it sold over that. Uncharted, so their graph only hits like a $10 million bar or a 10 million copies sold bar, so I don't have exact numbers on others, but Uncharted looks to be at least another probably like 5 million over that, I think. Um, and then also The Last of Us Remastered has also pushed past 10 million um, on PS4 as well. So obviously there's no sign of slowing down when it comes to Sony exclusives. And as like great as that is, when you think about it, it's like God of War and The Last of Us, two of the most premier Sony games of all time. Only a tenth of the PS4 install base has bought those games. What's wrong with you? Who are you? It's like 30 million people out there who just... What? They're just watching so like... So many, yeah. Click, the click Blu-ray. Well, you see, That's like what a, they're using the console so for. So 10 million. Oh, a tenth, good yeah, God. No, I was a tenth, thinking, yeah. yeah. Like 80 million people. Who are uh, these? What are they, children? Who, probably, probably some of them, I would guess. You know there's like so many people out there who probably just get like a PS4 and they're like, yeah, it's for Fortnite. Yeah, maybe Apex. I don't know. They just get like the GTA Five. Yeah, people seriously. still keep buying GTA Five. Yeah. It's always in the top it's, ten. It's so. a really good game. Yeah it's, yeah, it's understandable. But yeah, I mean, those are great sales numbers. It's super exciting to see. But yeah, it's kind of crazy to think about. Oh yeah, there are so many people who still could buy those games on PS4. Um, moving on from that, a little bit before the investor relation day, I did mean to bring this up a little earlier. Uh, Jack Tretton, who the ex CEO and president of PlayStation America said he believes Sony is in a, quote, good position for the next console generation, although he believes the company will face, quote, exponentially more competition than during the PS4's lifespan. Uh, he was talking to GamesBeat, and he said, I think they're very well, uh, quote, I think they're very well positioned. The leader of the prior generation is always in a good position going into the new generation. Um, and he think, he discussed a little bit of what's been revealed about the PS5 so far and said, from what I've read about the PS5, it sounds impressive. Uh, their business model obviously worked well for them the last time around, and it doesn't look like they're going to deviate from that. Um, what the hell is old Tretton up to these days, anyway? I don't know what he's <laughs> doing. I mean, other than talking to GamesBeat, I don't know. What's that rascal been up to? <laughs> um, hanging out with, uh, what, was, what was it, Kevin? What was the guy's name that they would bring out on stage who played that character? Why can't I think of his name? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The kid from um, like Role the, Models? No, the guy. Uh, the Kevin guy. Butler. Oh, Kevin Butler. Yeah, no, I was yeah. thinking of the P, the Vita kid who was in... <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, he was in Role Models and a couple other things. Yeah, I, I bet they're know. all hanging out. <laughs> in PlayStation heaven. Hell yeah. Play, um, the actual PlayStation home. Uh, he said Microsoft <laughs> should give them a better run for their money, and Stadia is a new wrinkle in the market that didn't exist in 2013, and Nintendo is more relevant this time around. Um, I don't disagree with any of that stuff. I do think it's a more competitive time. I do think... It's interesting, though, the like the leader of the last generation is always well positioned. So far, the leader of the last generation tends to always not be the leader of the next generation. I think well positioned is like you can still fall on your face. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's still a lot of potential to mess up yeah. depending on how you message because a lot of people I, or it feels like a lot of companies go into it with a little bit of ego. A lot of pressure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's a lot of expectation to it's, it's very reassuring that uh, like a seasoned businessman had the same exact thoughts on this that i <laughs> a simpleton who talks into microphones had he's been on the playstation stage yeah and that's it that's all i have on jack trenton yeah. um yeah i feel like we hear from him like once a year at e3s now still he just like he emerges comes, yeah and like from the cave like a groundhog uh -huh. he'll tell you whether or not playstation will have a good year um <laughs> And then slowly <laughs> then retreats. Yeah, just goes away. Um, other than that, yeah, obviously a lot of PlayStation-centric stuff. A little bit more I want to get to in a second, but first some third-party things I wanted to mention. Uh, Dauntless is out this week. It is the first game to launch with PS4 crossplay, making it, I think, only the third game to have crossplay at all with PS4 games, uh, joining Fortnite and Rocket League. So big deal, really great opportunity to actually launch and have that from the go 
for players across all platforms to be able to play together. Mm-hmm. Um, and in addition to that, a thing that broke over the weekend, which is always fun uh, when you get a bunch of slacks when you're trying to just have a Ooh, sunny Saturday Ooh, afternoon. I love it. It like, makes me feel alive. Yeah, it's wonderful. And you're like, 12 notifications. I guess I might, it's time to pay more money in my free mobile games. Nope. I've been hooked on some mobile games recently. Anyway, um, according to a report from Kotaku, Activision has informed developers at Sledgehammer Games and Raven that both studios will no longer be in charge of the Call of Duty game scheduled for 2020. Instead, Treyarch, who last developed last year's Black Ops 4, will reportedly be taking over and leading development for a new Black Ops. Uh, We reached out to Activision, of course. They had nothing to say as of press time, and we haven't heard back since then about it. They, of course, haven't even announced this year's Call of Duty uh, except for some footballers who played it, uh, let alone what next year's Call of Duty will be. But um, it's interesting to me that that like there's that much of a shakeup this far in advance. Yeah, that they they don't have the time to maybe reshift and see what Raven and Fledgehammer could do to try to fix it. That they essentially now have to support what Treyarch does. I'm just thinking there must have been some disastrous inner turmoil. Yeah, that's got. I mean, that's got to be scary for. You know, people at that company hearing these rumblings. Um, call, I mean, Call of Duty has been like a, it's like a, you know, it's a money printing machine that I, I feel like in in recent years maybe has printed slightly less money, yeah. but it's still like a lot of money. And then I don't know. You look at sort of like Activision business wise, they're pretty ruthless, you know. And it's mm. like they've got, mm-hmm. you know, they've got Blizzard over in one corner, and they've got um, uh, what's it called, uh, King. Yeah, Kingdom yeah, yeah, yeah. Company, yeah, all, you know, Candy, Candy Crush, Crush. and yeah. then you know you're like it used to be Call of Duty is like number one, but it's like yeah, but that's like that's like console stuff, you know, like get, get on this, get on it. Like we, you look over and it's like China's doing PC and mobile, like that's the install base. And well, it's, yeah, and know, they're they're launching Call of Duty Mobile to try to compete in that space. Yep. Yeah, Activision is a very different company than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Mm. But um, I mean, yeah, also like having three studios working on the same game that could effectively go from being annualized, a thing you buy in a box, to just a games a game as a service. Yeah. Um, well, it to me it feels like that's what's going to happen with Blackout. Um, an interesting part of this is that they mention Treyarch and Sledgehammer's work will reportedly be used to essentially make a campaign for whatever Black Ops Five is, which to me makes it sound like. At this point in the production, they weren't planning on doing a campaign again like they did for the last Black Ops, but they'll use this work to help shape that. Um, I do wonder what happens both this year and going on with Blackout because it has been such a success. To me, it seems weird to say, like, here's Blackout 2. Mm. Like, to me, it feels like they probably should continue the Blackout that already exists. What do you guys think about? Like, what? how can Call of Duty adapt? <laughs> uh, I mean, I've been wondering for a while what company we're going to see take their annualized sort of flagship multiplayer experience and flip the switch to make it just a full-blown service because i mean you look at you look at something like apex or fortnite um and it's just you have there is one there's one app for that there's one and like battlefield's sort of been like that on pc there's obviously like all the different sort of versions that kind of talk to each other but like you're going through origin exactly yeah yeah yeah. but like it's just weird to be like i don't know at some point i feel like we're going to see it's just going to say call of duty and every year, maybe the color scheme changes, and mm-hmm. they like patch in new skins and characters. But as opposed to trying to constantly send a rebuild things from the ground up, um, I just think that makes so much more sense in today's climate to to focus on that. Uh, you know, games yeah. as service—that's what it's all it's all about now. And and you know, you you sort of stop the endless need to reinvent yourself with a, a physical 
product and it just becomes yeah an experience that is ongoing you also get to eventize the different parts of it like if you're like hey august is here that means it's zombies time zombies 2021 is yeah. out now get here are some santa yeah. skins yeah <laughs> I don't know. I'm not very imaginative. So. <laughs> We've patched in Jeff Goldblum, the magician, once more. Fan favorite returns. <laughs> it's crazy how many celebrities they've had do that zombie mode. Yeah, they have a lot of money. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Not as much money as perhaps in other years, but still. Sarah Michelle Gellar and Freddy Krueger are here at last. The Danny number Trejo. one. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it, the original odd couple. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch that TV show. Um, yeah, it's interesting to see like stuff coming out about that Call of Duty before we really have gotten anything off the ground for this year's Call of Duty. Mm. Um, there was a report a little bit ago that essentially Infinity Ward, who were expecting to be the developers of this year's Call of Duty, hired back a bunch of ex-Infinity Ward developers who have all been instrumental in some way to a lot of Call of Duty entries, which has led to a lot of scuttlebutt that it's probably another Modern Warfare somehow in development, which would make a lot of sense. Mm. Um, they could have just had a bunch of wine and started calling up exes. That's possible. Just yeah. going on LinkedIn. And it just led to jobs. Hey, what about the good old days? Is that what you do when you get drunk? You go on LinkedIn? Yeah, I go on LinkedIn. <laughs> That's the number, <laughs> number Troll one for spot. former creative directors. <laughs> the hot spot for... Okay. Um, I, I don't even know what to The hot spot for Lonely Hops. Yeah, yeah, there we hey, go. Hey, Sessler, what are you doing? Remember Rev3 Games? <laughs> oh, God. A different kind of exploit that I don't want to know about. <laughs> Um, well played. Thank you, thank you. Moving on from that, I did want to mention uh, there's a big PlayStation thing that I do want us to talk about, but very quickly before that, additional comments from Jim Ryan during the Investor Relation Day that I missed earlier. Uh, just that they're investing in first party with 13 studios around the world right now, plan to expand through organic growth or acquisitions. So we could probably expect to see another studio at some point join, or there's been like long-standing rumors, and I know I've mentioned it on the show before, and someone involved in the studio mentioned that he heard us mention it on the show but there is a playstation team that we don't quite know about what they're doing located in california there have been rumors they're working on uncharted but no one really knows that for sure um and quentin sorry i mentioned it again um he's gonna love that also please come on the show whenever you're in san francisco um who the hell are you talking about uh quentin cobb who's working he works at playstation right now he works at secret playstation he works at secret play on a playstation team that he can't quite say what he's working on right now would you say it's in uncharted territory <laughs> it could be i don't know uh, he used to work at naughty dog though okay so that's what's led a lot of people to believe that as well as some additional hires and stuff we'll see if that ever gets announced at some point i was uh, trying to come up with a pun just then i was like the best I could do was like, would you say it's Drake's fortune? <laughs> it's not even it's not even a play on words. Would you say it's a thieves end? <laughs> I don't know why. Um, but anyway, so I, I don't think like going forward into the PS5 generation, it's likely we'll see some new Sony teams crop up. And I like the idea of that, whether they are continuing older franchises or creating their own new IP. Obviously, PS4 proved to do that both of those things pretty well. So yeah. I'm excited to see what we can get from that in the next generation i think they should have just a big key party and invite all the studios together and they have to trade ips and that would be amazing yeah i'd love to see that yeah happen. well like media Mo molecule doing uh they're like all right media molecule you got to make twisted metal yeah no yarn that would be kill amazing zone. kill zone yeah that would be the most <laughs> heartfelt kill zone the he's kill so whimsical the kill zone was the friends we made along the way all right it has to be made out of mud and blood and metal you can't <laughs> use any craft materials anymore <laughs> Not paper mache kills. Stop making everything out of felt and cotton. It's beautiful and <laughs> touches my spirit. Um, while these development studios may not be working 
on each other's properties. PlayStation is planning to use these properties in other ways because earlier this week, they also announced PlayStation Productions, an in-house development studio that will work on producing film and television shows based on popular PlayStation IP that already exists. And Sean Layden uh, gave an interview a little bit about it to The Hollywood Reporter. I want to make sure I have all of that information correctly. But essentially, they're looking into developing their own work rather than licensing these things out to other studios, which of course has led to some not great video game movies and shows in the past. Um, before I get to some of the specifics about it, what do you think about the idea that they're just going to start a production company amidst everything else PlayStation's got to focus on? Uh, I mean, <laughs> like, I'm not sure about this one. Like, it's fun to, you know, come up with ideas of what we want and what we'd like to see, but for my money, I want them to focus on more of their like kids forward properties rather than like the last of us and god of war i don't necessarily want to see those stories played out in a dramatic uh tv or film filmic format like i want to see jack and daxter yeah you know i want to see like a like like cartoons yeah didn't Layden say something about how he, he wanted to focus less or he wanted to focus on like the ethos of the games yeah they said i'll it's so Sean Layden's going to be overseeing the studio with Assad uh, Kilzabash, uh, essentially working as the lead of it. And they said they are working out of Sony Studios a lot in Culver City. I'm trying to find the exact quote, but he said essentially, instead of licensing our IP out to studios, we felt the better approach was for us to develop and produce for ourselves, Assad said. One, because we're more familiar, but also because we know what the PlayStation community loves. Um, we looked at what Marvel has done in taking the world of comic books and making it into the biggest thing in the film world, Leighton said. It would be a lofty goal to say we're following in their footsteps, but certainly we're taking inspiration from that. Um, I'm trying to find your, the exact quote you're talking about. You can see just by watching older video game adaptations that the screenwriter or director didn't understand that world or the gaming thing, Leighton said. The real challenge is how do you take 80 hours of gameplay and make it into a movie? The answer is you don't. What you do is you take that ethos you write from there specifically for the film audience. You don't try to retell the game in a movie. Well, I yeah, I correct. mean, yeah, I, I guess it's it, it's a very fine line because to me, The Last of Us story was perfect. I don't yeah. want to see, I mean, I know we're getting a sequel, but like, I don't want to see a, yeah. a a movie adaptation that that's loosely, you know, in that universe with those characters, but isn't that story because that story is yeah, tell perfect. It, like t- do Fear the Last of Us or whatever. Tell another story exactly. in, that, in do, that same universe. Yeah, do have different characters. There and, was, and, I can't remember, but there was like an ongoing story where you would essentially pick up some of the like notes were about a continuing story of a certain guy. I'm totally forgetting the name of it, but essentially you saw this play out via these notes, and it's like mm-hmm. you could make a six episode miniseries that focuses on cool that in the Last of Us mm-hmm. world. Yeah, I think this is this is really exciting. Uh, I think that we're sort of obviously superhero movies are still going forward, but there's been you know ten years of Marvel, and there I think there's a certain you're going to get a certain audience fatigue eventually, and Hollywood goes through trends, and I feel like video game adaptations are like the next thing. Um, to actually, I think Detective Pikachu was sort of the first one to really stick the landing on that front. No disrespect to Mortal Kombat, a fine film that shouts its own title before the opening credits are even shown. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I think that, I mean, obviously Sonic the Hedgehog is sort of, you got the kind of a goofus and gallant situation here where like Pikachu laid the groundwork for a Pokemon cinematic universe and Sonic the Hedgehog seems like... Um, you know, corporate movie people sort of trying to cherry pick what's going to make the most money at the box office and alienating the fan base at the same time. Well, and the Pokemon company has been very like clear that they have not wanted a adaptation for a long time. Like they've turned away those things so often. Mm -hmm. Um, I, 
I will also just say that for every Detective Pikachu, there's an Assassin's Creed, you know, which yep. was another movie that was mm-hmm. in the vein of in the universe, like, but mm-hmm. it was a new story, yeah. and it was so boring. Oh. I'm- I you mean, guys saw that movie, right? No, I skipped it. I was looking forward to it because of like the director and the talent involved and everything, and then it just, yeah, it oh, fell apart. And so I lifeless. Really but I mean, the thing is, you were saying for every Detective Pikachu, there is one of those. There haven't really been a lot of Detective Pikachus. Like, we really yeah. haven't gotten too many of those. No, so people will go to bat to defend, like, you know, Silent Hill. Uh, mm. the Resident most, Evil. The most recent Tomb Raider. Yeah, the first Resident Evil is not mm-hmm. bad. But yeah. yeah, I mean, that's... I don't know. I think we're at a point where that we are going to start seeing, and also it's a generational thing. Like, we've all grown up with games. Uh like people in their 20s through 40s who are, uh, you know, target audience for, or you know, they're an audience, they're not necessarily target audience, but like games are sort of an established commonplace thing. You look at it, like Transformers was around for 25, 20 years before it became a, like a, a movie franchise. Yeah. And then suddenly it was like the biggest thing in the world. And then that kind of, you know, everyone else jumped on the toy bandwagon. And then it's like, all right, so what did you grow up with? And it's like reaching a point where like a generation of kids grew up with, you know, Jack and Daxter or Crash Bandicoot or whatever. And it's like, oh, maybe maybe you turn those into a movie. We can do something with this, yeah. Um, yeah. What's interesting is, as part of this announcement, Layden mentioned, we don't have to rush to market. We don't have a list of X number of titles must be done in this year. So it seems like the company is being able to play pretty fast and loose with what their interests will be, at least in these initial stages. They don't have to put out three Uncharted movies in the next year. Um, they did, during the Investor Relation Day, though, mention... The Uncharted movie, which was being made by Sony Pictures, so still within the family, is still in advanced development. So Mm -hmm. that movie is still happening. And then they also confirmed a Twisted Metal TV series is one of the first things being produced in PlayStation Productions. Oh, my God. Yeah, um, there were, like, no exact details about what it is, but the chairman and CEO of Sony Pictures Entertainment was talking about PlayStation Productions in the Q&A of the Investor Relation call and was basically like, yeah, we uh, just closed this deal for an older IP. It's called Twisted Metal. We're going to be making a show out of that. That's it. And the Juggalos rejoiced. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, to me, that shows that probably they're going to be taking some liberties. Like, they really are going to be trying to dig up some older stuff, some weirder stuff. So I did want to ask you both what you would like to see adapted, either as a film or a TV show. Um, and to give you some time to think, I did pose this question to the Beyond Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash groups slash podcast beyond if you would like to join. Uh, but I basically asked, what would everyone like to see? One of The last comment as of I'm reading, I actually like quite a bit, an educational kid show starring the Astrobots. Oh, that's which cute. I just think is that's really cute. Which is a pleasant idea, like yeah. you're saying, Lucy. I think like playing to kids, they have so much from the PS2 era that would play really well. Mm. Um, going through some of the others... A lot of people suggested a Bloodborne series. Oh. Well, I mean, I would like a Bloodborne anime series. Yeah, some people were saying, like, focus oh. on it as an anime. The, um, the Bloodborne comic that I think Titan Comics is putting out these days is wonderful. Mm. It is so gross and weird and just, it it looks like, um, it looks like a horny European, like, like bandes designé, like French comics, where like people are like a little bit cartoony and everything is a little bit too hairy looking. <laughs> like it's kind of goofy in this in this strange like what am I looking at kind of way. Yeah, I remember. Um, I think like Chloe Chloe Rad used to work here pulled it up and was just like yeah, I don't like this at all and I was like no this is what it should be. <laughs> <laughs> I just yeah like I think that game is so much about environmental storytelling like it's it's so much about atmosphere you could really tell any story within that universe and I think that's very rich for a TV series. Yeah, I would love Give that. Give me that. God, I'm trying to think what else. Like I don't know. 
Um, Michael from the group said, is infamous too easy? They created their own superhero. He could easily translate to another medium, for that matter, an authentic samurai movie based off Sucker Punch's newest project also. Uh, this is why we sent Goldfarb there to do these things for us. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, like infamous obviously is like as of right now kind of a dead franchise like it's in he was just not like a particularly inspiring cole himself yeah but, but it's also that's a universe that has superheroes in it yeah, yeah. You know, they, just right there you've got groundwork you've got an existing ip mm. i mean it's kind of like the same deal with the hbo watchmen series which yeah. is i think technically a future of the comic but for the most part it's 30 years disconnected. just doing it's all th- yeah yeah um, a few others. Uh, Nathan mentioned Ratchet and Clank. Oh, wait, that happened and should be ignored. Maybe they can do it right this time. Yeah, that movie, um, I was looking it up. Out of its, tw- It had a budget of $20 million and grossed $12 million. You know, I completely forgot that happened. It bummed like, me up. It just, it, my memory just went boop, <laughs> like Men in Black, gone. The, the revival game is so good, and it was paired with this attempt to mm. bridge the gap, and it just didn't work. Um, a few other things. Matthew suggested a Horizon movie with Rose Leslie, um, aka Ingrid from Game of Thrones. Egret. Yeah, I was like, Ingrid, was that funny? <laughs> oh, Ingrid. Uh, D- Josh the from character. the group also cor- corrected huh. him on that. Um, I'd like to see a Little Big Planet series for kids. Yeah. That'd be cute. That would be really cute. Um, Matthew, another Matthew said, Knack Kids cartoon, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, some people are obviously going for some third-party stuff, so uh, Jonathan with an A said a Final Fantasy anthology series where each season is kind of an adaptation of a game in the series. That would be interesting. What if, they, what if they did like a you know more family-friendly like Love, Death, and Robots where they kicked PlayStation Dreams to a whole bunch of animation studios and they were like, all right, make a cartoon in this, and they were just like, go nuts. Ben from the group says, Dreams, every show can be completely different but have a through line along the lines of something like The Odyssey. The 90s kids TV show, not the poem. Or a sketch comedy built within dreams. Yes. Yeah. That would be cool. Well, I mean, there's all that opportunity. They, uh, when we had the dreams folks in here, they were talking about the fact that like the game has like a, a built already puppet character, but people have been putting on these shows with the puppet and doing all these things of just making these hilarious like comedy bits. It's just it. like hardball, but it's in dreams. It's like a hard hitting political show. Yeah. Uh, I'm just reading this one off the cuff. Ryan said Nathan Drake as Sly Cooper in an amazing animated style movie. What? Hmm. I think a Sly Cooper. So there's a Sly Cooper animated show in the works that I believe is set for an October 2019 release. It's still in the works. They're planning on it, but we don't know anything about that. Maybe this could shift over there. I would love, I love Sly Cooper and would love to see that world continue. Um, a few people did suggest, though, God of War. How do you both feel about anything set in the God of War universe? I just, like, ugh, I can't, like, it's, again, that story is so perfect, and you've got to sort of take yourself out of it and go, okay, what other stories could be told in that universe? And then I just think about, like, Hercules and Xena, Warrior Princess, and, like, what I about, can't get my head out of that kind of, like, budget. Castlevania. The oh, yeah. Like, I feel like that that pairs very well, where you're like, yeah, this is, like, a weird, short, bloody story. Just tell it that way. That could be interesting. I feel like, yeah, taking the Castlevania method and probably applying that to like Bloodborne or something would work pretty well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Christian said, I'm seeing an opportunity for a bit of smart marketing in the return of the tie-in movie. Let's get that Death Stranding film that details the collapse of society and the rise of that stuff two weeks before the game <laughs> drops. You and Norman Reedus' shoes or a Last of Us film that fills the gap between the two games. Um, something like Kingsglaive had the right idea. It's just a pity that film wasn't great. Um, and I like. I feel like I've never seen a great tie-in thing. I don't uh, think I've ever seen a great tie-in thing unless it was a toy from McDonald's. 
that's true. I was I was gonna say there's a lot of great toys out there, Lucy. You just you gotta come by my desk more often. It's all <laughs> over the place. Um, no, the uh, I thought the animated series they put out for Final Fantasy 15 was pretty good. Kingsclave was like over budget and kind of up its own ass, but like the animated series was really cute because it was like how does like how does Ignis know all these people? Was it Ignis the main boy? I can't even, I can't remember that game. I get I Final Fantasy but it was protagonist like, mixed up. Yeah, their names. whatever. I think yeah, whatever. The main one and had to be friends with the Gladio and, and <laughs> Favela and uh, Favela. Puerto or whatever the names were. And Sora. Yeah, Sora was in there. I think probably. <clears throat> um, Alex said for a movie, The Order eighteen eighty six, made by Guillermo del Toro. I mean, that's Ooh, amazing. That would be, but like, they'd never do it. Del Toro also already has like thirteen movies that will hopefully, got, yeah, maybe one day come out. Um, I would kill to see if they could continue that universe and make a solid thing out of it. I think we're going to see more order. You Nox- think so? It's Noctis. 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 Oh, yeah. Is Ignis is the one with the glasses, yeah? See, I love I love that game. That was like my favorite yeah, game of Ignis the year. Yeah, Ignis is in there. Ignis is the one who's the cook, right? <laughs> I think so. He's, he, looks like a, he looks like a nerd. Like a sexy nerd. Well, like, oh, they all look like sexy nerds, but he looks like a, he's got glasses. He looks like he's a, a business nerd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's the sexy I've got it. Nerd. Yeah, no, he was great. He's always cooking pancakes and stuff made out of animals you killed. It's yeah. a good game. Great hair. Andrew said, not our Andrew, but another Andrew said, Parappa the Rapper animated series? Yeah, no? maybe. Yeah. I want to see like an adult, like a serious adult drama based in the world of Mr. Mosquito. <laughs> it's just told from his perspective as he flies around and drinks the blood of people having affairs and stuff. What about Brennan also suggested, in addition to that Astrobot thing at the beginning, a wipeout movie done with the drama of a movie like Rush? So basically, just Rush, but with sci-fi cars. What? <laughs> uh, I love if it. If you want a wipeout movie uh, structure, go watch the anime Redline. It is awesome. It's Never about heard of it. super fast space cars. Okay. It's it's like if you made like an M-rated speed racer that's just doing all sorts of hard trucker drugs. Nice. I thought you were just gonna say the Wachowski's Speed Racer. No, it's like it's like that, but like just like fist pumpingly, like fast paced in like a like a not squeaky clean cutesy way. Like okay. It's very much like oh this oh this there's people taking clothes off and stuff doing drugs. Uh, and then of course the very important suggestion that Willie made of just knack. Mm. Knack. Mm. Knack. Knack. Mm. Knack four coming to the knack. PS5. Sure is a thing. That exists in the world. The unkillable knack. That really brought the energy <laughs> the up. The resilient knack. I'd watch that show if it was like the amazing Spider-Man you know or the who, spectacular Spider-Man, but they kept giving him adjectives. You know who would watch that show is children, because yeah. sometimes they just watch things. Yeah. And they, you know, they sure would put their eyes towards the they screen. They did, yeah. <laughs> What a ringing endorsement. Um, if you want to let us know if you at home have any ideas about what would make a better PlayStation show or movie than any of the things we or our other listeners suggested, feel free to write in to beyond at IGN.com with your suggestions, and maybe we'll read some on the show next week. Um, as we're wrapping some things up, wanted to first check in with a brief memory card. Memory card needs to calm the hell down over there. <laughs> Memory card's excited. There are a lot of really good stories happening. Too rowdy for such a quiet, nostalgic, personal moment. 
Well, uh, this week it's actually PS1 launch shenanigans Ooh. that we're going to have. Of course, Memory Card is our weekly segment where we read a story sent in by you, the listeners and watchers at home, related to something funny, sad, hilarious, crazy that happened to you in your PlayStation life. Uh, so if you want to write in, write in with the subject line Memory Card to beyond at IGN.com and we'll read them on the show. This week's comes from Brandon. Brandon wrote in and also made sure to correct a typo. So I want to make sure I get that typo correct. Yes, we do. All right, good. Brandon says, hello, all. I hope you're all having a fun recording because I'm about to bring it down into the shady underworld of thievery and loss. Hell yeah. Oh, I'm here for this. Uh, also, Brandon said, long story. It's not that long. We have gotten longer than I have not read on the show. I, su- I should say thank you, everyone who's been sending in your stories. Please keep it relatively brief because we do have to read these out loud. Anyway, Brandon said, I'm seven years old on Christmas of 95. With my innocence intact, I'm ready for a new generation of gaming on Christmas Day. My older brother spent months selling me on the PS1 so it could be our joint Christmas present that year. 32 bits, CDs, big boy games. (laughs) We tear the wrapping off and behold at the glorious Sony PlayStation. We open the box and the first thing we pull out was a giant book of computer coding or something. Oh my God, his parents were trolling. I remember thinking... This is so advanced, we need a huge instruction manual just to work it. But upon further investigation, we discovered the harsh truth. Someone had opened the box and replaced the system with this book. The old switcheroo, they Indiana Jones us. It wasn't the parents, it just happened. Oh my god. With my innocence murdered, the tears started flowing. My father was furious, of course, as he had to wait in line for hours just to secure the system. He took it back to Best Buy the day after Christmas and fought tooth and nail and didn't leave the store until he got us our PlayStation. I'll never forget I'll never forget what my dad did for us that day and now. As a father myself, I have a way greater appreciation for the stress he had to endure just to make his kids happy. Thanks for all that you do, and shout out to all the parents out there who support their kids' interest. P.S. Not so happy ending, as one of the games we got was Street Fighter, the movie, the game. Nonetheless, they eventually got their PlayStation. See, we're talking about video game movies. That's what the first good video game movie is going to be: Street Fighter, the movie, the, the game, game, the movie. The movie. Yeah, I'd, I'd believe it. Yeah. So there's a Disney Plus is going to have High School Musical, the series, good Lord. or High School Musical, the musical. So. No. Anything can happen. Uh, I'd Brandon, go back to high school. This is that's a wonderful story. That is such a great story. Thank you so much, Brandon, for writing in with that story, and thank you everyone who's been writing in with so many amazing memory card stories. We're going to be reading a lot more in the weeks to come, but please keep sending them in. Remember, it's beyond at ign.com with the subject line "memory card," so I can be sure to find it through all the other emails. And if you got any great deals on memory cards, use that same subject line. Let them, let Dornbush know. Use offer code "beyond" for fifteen percent off your favorite memory cards at your memory card store. <laughs> Just try it. Uh, anyway, moving on, we're going to talk about what we're playing this week. I don't have a snazzy jingle yet for that, but I have asked Ronnie for some more jingles. What we're Love playing this week? Da, 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 da. Games. <laughs> anyway, Max, what are you playing this week? I'm playing Rage Ooh. 2. Rage. Is it making Me too. you angry? Are you playing it? That's, that's what I'm playing at the moment as well. Do you, are you having a fun time with this game? I am, actually. Like I'm pretty early in, but uh, I am having a fun time. I love the combat. It love is so, the way it feels. Yeah, like early on, I got very cross at this game for being another wasteland I have to mope around in and for having too many little tutorial menus popping up. And then the second I got into the loop where you were shooting stuff directly in the face, I'm going to try not to say the F word because I knew you have to deal with it. <laughs> but, oh, God, it's good. Yeah. Like, end of the day, like, I, I mean, I know this is an avalanche game, but it was heavily involved with it, and it knows how to make guns in games that are fun as hell. 
Yeah. And it's just so much fun to just run around and just blow the crap out of everything in there. And it kind of like I'm playing on normal. It kind of plays itself a little bit. Like it's not particularly challenging. It's just it's just really smooth and buttery and yeah, I'm having a good time. Like I know I know that a lot of the criticisms leveled at it is that it does get really repetitive and you know it's uh, story isn't anything special, but like just to muck around in its world, mm-hmm. uh, blowing things up in the face is really fun. No, uh, uh, Tom Marks put up a little write up about how sort of the wonder of, uh, you know, occasionally like sort of mediocre or not, you know, not mind blowing game of the year games are still really fun just because they have a bunch of stuff to do. And like maybe having fetch quests and tough kind of filler nonsense is okay. Uh, and you know, looking at it from the perspective of like a kid who only gets one game a year, or you're trying to get the most mileage out of something you spent your hard hard-earned money on, um, which is of course people are mad at him for you know taking the side of the of the publisher and and making excuses for filler content. But uh, yeah, I mean, Rage Two definitely has its share of issues. Like it's uh, it's it feels like so sort of like they really wanted to get their most out of that that same universe that they started building up, and it's just like I. People played that game, but I don't know anyone who fell in love with it. It seemed like a like a Fallout without the style guide. Yeah, it's just kind of it's sort of cyberpunk. It's sort of doomy. It's kind it's kind of retro, but it's not really very video gamey. Yeah, it's I mean honestly, there's parts where like it opens up with this like cyborg warlord giving this like opening speech, and it has that it hits those notes where you're like, if I saw somebody playing this in a movie, I'd be like, man, Hollywood misrepresents games. Okay. Yeah, I, I am the mutant commander, I, I, and I choose you to rescue the Ark satellite converter. I like tweeted. I tweeted out actually um, that it felt like its voice acting felt like it came straight out of an '80s cartoon. I don't know if you're playing as a male or a female protagonist, but like the female protagonist is very like, "Hey, yeah, what? What's going on? Yeah. I'm badass!" Like, I mean, I wish that it was as goofy and off the wall as all the marketing when it was announced made it seem like. It seems very much like they were like, oh, we need to make this sort of more self-aware, but that that all was like kind of a thin layer on top of it. Like it's all very colorful and pink and bright and nonsensical at a glance, but then when you get like actually into it, it's clear that some parts of this world building is really kind of takes itself seriously. Yeah. Uh, and it just makes me so – it makes me just – we we did not we did not deserve Far Cry Blood Dragon, a game where the the main character yells at the number of tutorial menus he has to look at. And just, like, <laughs> just like give me the gun already, let me shoot the gun. Um, but it's like it's again, I'm having a fun time with it. Yeah, no, you're so right though. Tonally, it it is kind of all over the place. Like there's that great bit where it's like stick your hand into the mysterious hole and yeah. like that's an instruction you get in the game and that's kind of funny and then yeah you're right it, if that was spread across multiple things it, yeah that tone kind of yeah it's inconsistent yeah or if like the i don't know the uh, you you um do you have to do like tutorials whenever you get like a new gun and i just the fact that it was like here's how you use the shotgun i was like are you kidding me are you kidding me? Let me shoot this stuff already. Like, it puts you in this weird, like, you know, kind of VR mission type thing where you're yeah. just like, try, try, learn how to use it. And I was like, well, okay, well, you do have alternate fire. Fair enough. <laughs> but if only every game kind of had like a, do you know how to play this type of game? Yeah. Yes. Skip this part. Like, yeah. unless it's really intrinsic to the story. Yeah. Like, I, I remember that was a big thing uh, for a few Zeldas before Breath of the Wild where I was like, yeah, I know how to play a Zelda game. Mm. I, obviously, there mm-hmm. are new people who don't, but. I can skip the five hours in the village. No, it's it's more that it just doesn't, it doesn't, I don't know, it, it, it hits a lot of sort of cliches and tropey stuff without 
acknowledging that, you know? And okay. I'm just like, if you were blasting Andrew W.K. and the protagonist was, like, aggressively swearing at the fact that they had to, like, you know, shuffle through menus and, and learn how to use a shotgun for the first time, like, it would be disarmingly self-aware but it's not and i can't really fault it for that because at the end of the day it's a you know finely functional video game um and also you know there uh, it's such a again comedy and games is hard it's a fine yeah. line to tread like sometimes self-awareness can be really obnoxious sometimes yeah. it can be hilarious yeah no i mean i think if it was constantly doing sort of the borderlands like tongue-in-cheekery i'd be sort of fed up with it but mm. um no it's 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 a really good time it's got some just goddamn awesome explosions mm. like i love that one of the one of the stupid repetitive fetch quest things you have to do is uh <laughs> there's like bandits that just have like they're like they're guarding stolen fuel you have to blow up their fuel depots and it's just like oh so this is just a shoot the red barrels outpost <laughs> but and really it is it's like so, it yeah. so is like you're just going okay there's a red barrel there's a red barrel. oh there are three guys just yeah. having a little like <laughs> sing song beside the, around the red it's barrel it's so satisfying yeah, yeah. there's like a, i don't know you, you find one and it's like oh they hid one of the red barrels inside a garage i have to figure out how to open the garage you open the garage there's like three dudes hanging out by this giant red gas tank and you <laughs> just, just like, like throw a grenade in there and it's just yeah, it's just it's a stupid fun good time, and I'm I'm happy to have something that's actually like kind of hooking me. Mm. Um, it has so many weird little annoying quirks though, uh, gameplay wise or like I wouldn't even world? call it like I would say interface wise. Like there's it has all these like sort of um, uh, kind of like cyber like uh, artifacting effects when you're going when you're shuffling through the menu. Like it's got to look like it's a coded transmission from space or whatever, but it it like lags in the menu. Like, have you noticed this when you're shuffling between like the map and the like your nano trites and your all your all your? Mm, I have I haven't, but it, it's it, now I will. It's what it, it's a thing that it's bothered me about other games too, where it's right. like, when it's like the menu is a thing you're going to spend time shuffling back and forth with, and when you've got to pull up the map and there's a lag for the map, it's just one of those like, don't please don't. Um, and it's like on top of that, like the people have complained a lot about the sort of lack of fast travel points, but there's a. Uh, there's a thing that really bothered me, which is when you move the map around, it makes this like this like ticking noise. And it's really like everyone in my house hates it. And I'm starting to not like it too. Like I was playing and I was my wife was hanging out with me and I was like, Oh, you can play your switch and we can hang, we can spend time together. And she's like, Yeah, all right, whatever. And I like pull it up and I'm like and she's like, what is that noise? And I'm like, it's the map. And she's like, it's, I hate, I hate the noise. And it's like, and I'm like, I'm sorry. That's, I have to go to, the, I have to set the waypoints. And, like, and I'm like trying to find out where to get the, the BFG. And I'm like, it's in Vinelands. It's down there somewhere. And I'm like, oh, it's like normal noise for a second. And then you have to go she back. Just, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's so, it's like so <laughs> aggressively, like just, just it doesn't need to be a noise. It doesn't, you can just move the move the cursor, and it doesn't need to make a sound. And my wife just like angrily like packs up and goes in the other room. I can and just I'm imagine like, his shoulders like. And now I'm like I'm like turning the volume down whenever I go in the map, and it's like. And then like the dog hates it, and he's just sort of like and like you know like just walks out of the room, and I'm like by myself, and I'm like just looking at this stupid map. Yeah. Does, does your dog react to other stuff in games like vehemently uh, in any way? Not really, but they used okay. to have a, a Amazon Prime exclusive show that was called like Cat Toy Cartoon. That was just uh, like a flash cartoon of a cricket, and it would be like <laughs> click 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 click. 
and it was on like a weird colored background and he used to go up to the TV and like put one hand on the entertainment console and watch it like it was like the finale of a soap opera which was very cool so we'd have friends over we're like oh it's time for the dog's favorite show and we put that on he just people would get excited and he got over it I think he just he got too old he got for it. does your dog yeah. react to other dogs on screen because my cat used to like be like, oh my god, it's another cat. Uh, he has had some adverse reactions to certain critters in Bloodborne. Oh. Like, I've definitely had, and that could also be me just shrieking at the top of my lungs when a thing bursts through like a pile of wet boards and it's just like, ah! Um, my yeah. dog, he doesn't really react to a lot of other like creatures on screen, but he has this phobia we figured out in real life. He hates people standing still. Like, if a human in the distance is standing still, he will start barking. That like is it's such a neurotic thing. It's super. And so um, on Netflix, if you leave it hanging for a little bit, like, its pause menu will come up, and it's just flashing all its, it, like, images of its shows. And it'll just be, like, the face of the New Girl cast or the face of Chris Rock from an Adam Sandler movie. And he flips out if we let it go to that. Like The dog starts, is like the Larry David of dogs. Yeah. Oh, he absolutely is. But That's yeah, really funny. But, yeah, can't stand people standing still. I flip out when Netflix autoplays previews for its latest show about Europeans cooking or a killer of, of women or whatever <laughs> the, the stupid shows they're doing these days. They've got a lot of shows. I, um, just, I just panic and I X out and I go play Rage so I can listen to that soothing menu sound. <laughs> um, and so everyone else will leave you. But no, uh, yeah, just to, to cap that off, like Rage Rage 2 is like, it's it's cool to see something that's sort of, it's so, it's so very Far Cry, but mm. it's Far Cry made by different people. And it's kind of interesting to see like their their take on it, and it's so it's, I don't know, it's it's a good time, it's fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. I totally don't I don't think it's a, you know, I think it's maybe an eight out of ten kind of game, but like you know, it's a good time. It's, it's fun, fun to have. Yeah. yeah. I um I've been playing an embargo thing I can't talk about till next week. Um, smaller thing, but we'll talk about it next week. And then also been playing a little bit of Everybody's Golf VR. Uh, which is finally out this week. Uh, I know, Lucy, I, I made you jump in the VR to play a couple holes. I, I enjoyed it. It's like it's fun. Although I still get VR terror. You know, uh, okay. I've explained yeah. my VR terror. Like I still like I'm like, where am I? And it's very, <laughs> you know, you really do feel like you're there in, there, in yeah. that game. Yeah. And that one, you're pretty much static, though, at least. Like you don't yeah. have to worry about moving too much. But yeah, you have full uh, movement that you can look around for the course and everything and it's it's a very like quick pick up and play sort of thing like it starts you out you're limited you have one course you can choose from you can only pick uh random three hole uh rounds you slowly unlock the ability to play nine holes and 18 holes and uh different courses and different clubs and everything um it's playing it a little bit now i know max you played it at the preview event um I'm enjoying it the more I play it. Like, the more I get into it, I'm like, it's you can't think of it as a golf simulator. Like, it is more fun and more re rewarding if you're just, like, quick hits and, like... I was... I'm so relieved to hear that you this was your takeaway, too. Because I, I previewed it a while ago, a while back, and I was just like, this is not... I was sort of expecting it to be, like, a one-to-one -one swing the golf club, and it's, you know, reacts to that. But it's much slower than that, so it's kind of like... Maybe pretend you're swinging a golf club. Yeah, then... go go up about like a fourth of a swing, and then it's more just about the power that you hit it with. Because for me, the thing is like someone who has played golf before, I find if I try to wind the move controller behind my back and then come down with it because it's so light, my hands will move. And so suddenly I accidentally just like slice the ball out of bounds or like things will go awry, whereas where you're just moving a little bit, yeah. you're, you're much better about it. Lucy figured out if you just don't think about it, you're better at the game. Yeah, yeah we, we tried to be like, we've, we've both, I've, Jonathan's played golf. I have seen people play golf and I was like, <laughs> I shall try to imitate that the best I can. And then it's just like, doesn't even know what I'm doing. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, it's it's, it's, fun. it's fun to just jump into VR golf for a little bit. It's it's a very like easy. Just play a few rounds, skip the lot of voiceover from your caddy, and and lots of pauses. Yeah, she's like, "What do you want to do next?" It's and she's bizarrely posh. It's a, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, my assumption is like they animated it for the Japanese dialogue and then just had to fill the gaps <laughs> for other languages. Yeah. So unfortunately, it right. can have some pauses. But other than that, and you can skip the bulk of that, thankfully. But other than that, I'm having a good time with it and I'll probably be playing some more. I want to give a shout out to you, Jonathan, yes. for taking that title Ooh. really, really literally and setting up a kiosk at your desk and saying that everybody in the office can come play golf. It's everybody's yeah. golf. They should yeah. get the chance to. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll keep the VR set there for everyone who wants to play. National um, Socialist Golf. <laughs> That was the original working title yeah. before they changed it. Um, and just briefly before we move on, uh, Max, you are you played a little bit of Dreams for a video series. Oh yeah, we, we did have? this. Yeah. We did a couple of little let's plays. Uh, Brian Altano and I they're up on uh, IGN's YouTube and IGN.com. If you can find them on there, it's difficult sometimes. Uh, but we did. Uh, we found the worst things we could find on there, and I, I mean no disrespect to the people creating them. I mean we were typing like bathroom words in there. We were trying to find. Like we found one that I really like, which is bathroom uh, words. Yeah, uh, you know, like fart, uh, piss, things I've like that. I've never heard that term really? before. No, fart? no, yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> no, I know. What yeah. is fart? Yeah, bathroom. I don't. It's like a yeah, you know, we we type naughty words into the into the search function, and most of the things on there because first of all, it's it's still very early access type stuff, but also you know, it's a it's a squeaky clean, family friendly place mostly. So we found we, we did find like bathroom simulator 2019 which is really weird uh we also try to find knockoffs of existing uh ips so like bootleg mario somebody made a pretty impressive mario 64 it's impressive but still also weird because it's running in that like dreams puppet engine yeah right. uh and then we found one that was clearly done as a goof which is uh so <laughs> it's sonic the hedgehog in a supermarket <laughs> but he's like he's like after cheese <laughs> and it, which I don't think Sonic like it's in Chili Dogs, but he doesn't really. That's not his thing. That's, a, that's like a yeah. mouse food. <laughs> and it's this awful model of Sonic the Hedgehog <laughs> running around in this like dilapidated supermarket where there's like knocked over shelves <laughs> and there's these like hovering you know chunks of cheddar. And every time he picks it up, he goes, "Oh, cheese!" And it doesn't. It sounds like a different Jaleel White character. <laughs> like it's really horrible, and it keeps getting it keeps getting like more. Like the music gets more frantic, <laughs> <in his chest. laughs> and there's like it's really bad. So please go watch oh my that. God, we were yeah, we were the funniest thing I've ever I, had. I cannot wait for that game to come out and for the internet to just get a hold of it. That oh. is incredible. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, there's some amazing stuff being made in there. Um, I don't know if we talked about it like a week or two ago, but on like a less crazy side, someone basically made or crazy, but in a different way, someone made a trumpet with their controller. Um, so they basically tied oh, a awesome. microphone like in a headphone jack around the controller and made the buttons on the like the triggers the buttons of a trumpet and they were able to play the proper notes of a trumpet that way how do you blow in it the microphone that you tie they tied the microphone basically what? around one of the legs of the controller and they blow into in it in dreams in dreams that's outrageous yeah i cannot wait for this thing to go just get out there i know yeah, i'm very excited yeah the more and more things that come from it we'll definitely be covering those as they happen very quickly i just got this in as uh breaking news i know we're running a little long but just uh mpd numbers for april came in uh mortal Kombat was the best-selling game of the month it uh where is it was the best-selling game of april and instantly became the second best-selling game of 2019 year to date 
best-selling on all platforms on which it was released. Uh, so PC, PS4, Switch, Xbox One. Hell yeah. Days Gone was the second best-selling game of April with a debut month that ranks as the seventh highest in history for a Sony-published title. And uh, after just one mar- month on the market, Days Gone is Sony Ben's best-selling game in terms of lifetime revenues. Good on them. Contrary to public opinion, I am actually really happy that Days Gone is selling well. How dare you be happy about a thing? I know. Lucy, how dare you? I know. You know um, what? I think I can point out one thing that Days Gone could have done better. They could have had Scorpion in their game. True, then they would have been number one. He kicks mm-hmm. ass. Uh, and then also, interestingly, MLB The Show 19 ranks as the third best-selling game of April and is now the 10th best-selling game of 2019. It is also the best-selling sports title of 2019 year-to-date. I don't know how many sports titles have been released this year. Um, the Switch was the best-selling console of the month, so not PS4. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to mention that before it'll be another week before we can talk about that, obviously. Cool. Uh, that pretty much mirrors the PSN sales for this month. And so far, year-to-date... Kingdom Hearts 3 still the number one game of the year. That game yeah. could have Scorpion in it too, you know. It might in the DLC. We'll find out. Um, <laughs> as we're wrapping up, Max, where can people find you online? You can find me, Max Scoville, on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, but instead of doing that, I would highly recommend you go check out Up at Noon, the show that Brian and I have been making. We are five episodes in. It is weekly. We are now putting the full episodes on YouTube. Please go watch the full episodes. They're really weird. They're very funny. We're extremely happy with them. They are a different format from the previous show, which some people are cross about because they miss an hour long of nonsense unscripted content. But I realize that time is precious and life is short. And some people just want a short show they can watch while they're taking a bathroom break at work. So maybe go and watch our Bad Up at Noon show while you're doing bathroom word stuff in the bathroom. Thank you. Lucy, what about you? Uh, you can find me. At, sorry, I'm still laughing about that stonic thing. <laughs> um, you can find me at uh, on Twitter and Instagram uh, at Luce O'Brien. Both of those things. And I am at JM Dornbush on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me there as well as, of course, on Beyond every week. Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific on beyond.ign.com, youtube.com slash IGN Beyond, as well as all your, your favorite podcast services around the world. Please make sure if you are listening to us via podcast or on YouTube, please rate, subscribe, uh, leave a comment, leave a thumbs up, not a thumbs down. I don't know the rating systems for every individual platform, but please use the positive ratings where you can. Um, and of course, we are so close to 600. Thank you so much, everyone. And as always, Beyond. Yeah, let us know which game you think needs Scorpion in it in the comments. Thank Beyond. you for that. Thank you. Beyond. Beyond. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.